0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It. I'm so excited for today's episode for two reasons. I'm a big fan of Brad and everything that he does, and we're wading into very non-techy waters here. Brad and I talk about what it's like building a physical product, from prototyping to manufacturing. It's a fantastic conversation, and I definitely learned a lot. I like it so much that we did a bonus episode for patrons only. I'll talk more about that at the end of the show, but first, a word from our sponsors. This season of How I Built It is brought to you by two fantastic sponsors. The first is Liquid Web. If you're running a membership site, an online course, or even a real estate site on WordPress, you've likely already discovered many hosts that have optimized their platforms for a logged out experience, where they cache everything. Sites on their hardware are great for your sales and landing pages, but struggle when your users start logging in. At that point, your site is as slow as if you were on $3 hosting. Liquidweb built their managed WordPress platform optimized for sites that want speed and performance, regardless of whether a customer is logged in or logged out. Trust me on this, I've tried it out and it's fast, seriously fast. Now, with their single site plan, Liquid Web is a no-brainer for anyone whose site is actually part of their business and not just a site promoting their business. Check out the rest of the features on their platform by visiting them at buildpodcast.net slash liquidweb. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquidweb. It's also brought to you by Jilt, Jilt is the easiest way to recover abandoned shopping carts on WooCommerce, Easy Digital Downloads, and Shopify. Your e-commerce clients could be leaving literally thousands of dollars on the table, and here's why. 70% of all shopping carts are abandoned prior to checkout. Yes, you heard that right. 70% of shoppers never make it to checkout. And that's why you need to introduce your clients to Jilt. Jilt uses proven recovery tactics to rescue that lost revenue. It's an easy win that lets you boost your client's revenue by as much as 15% and it only takes 15 minutes of your time to set up. Jilt fully integrates with WooCommerce, EDD and Shopify and you can completely customize the recovery emails that Jilt sends to match your client's branding using its powerful drag and drop editor or by digging into the HTML and CSS. Even better, Jilt's fair pricing means your clients pay only for the customers they actually engage, and you get to earn a cut of that through Jilt's partner program. Whether you have clients that process one sale per month or 10,000 sales per month, be the hero and help them supercharge their revenue with Jilt. Check them out at buildpodcast.net slash Jilt. That's buildpodcast.net slash J-I-L-T. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, I am honored to have the pen addict himself, Brad Doughty, on the show. Brad, how are you?
1: Hey, good. Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: Uh, no problem. Thanks for being on the show. I am a huge fan of your podcast and generally your recommendation when I need to stop spending money I have to stop listening to the shows for a while. So but I'm I'm glad to say that I'm a regular listener again.
1: Well, th- thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, and uh and I understand being muted from time to time, I'm okay <laughs> with that.
0: <laughs> so uh we'll be talking about Nokko today, but uh I, I first heard of you through the Pen Addict podcast, which I think precedes Nokko, is that right?
1: Yeah, the pen addict actually turns ten this month. Actually, in a couple of weeks, that blog will have been around wow. for ten years. So, yeah, it's crazy.
0: That's fantastic. And then the podcast has been going for a few, three, four, a little
1: over five, about five, five years. Wow! Yeah. We just recorded episode two eighty four. We try to go once a week. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's been a good run, and you know, all these things allowed me to build the thing that we're gonna talk about today.
0: Yeah, that's that's fantastic. So uh, why don't we jump right into that? So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what Nakko is and how you came up with the idea?
1: Yeah, so I started writing a blog called The Pen Addict, which we mentioned about 10 years ago. And it was just kind of my journey to share online about finding good pens and stationery. That's been a passion I've had ever since I was a little kid. I'm in my 40s now, so this is a lifetime thing for me. You know, a lot of people can relate to being you know, lost in their office supply cabinet or at work or in their, you know, uh, school, you know, supply store, things like that, trying to figure out the school supplies to have and, and all those types of things. And I've always been more than a little bit interested in finding like the really best tools for me to use. So I started writing about it online and the blog grew and, you know, about 2 years ago I was able to actually leave and do it full time it's my full time job now the blog and knock and the podcast and a few years into my blog I don't know maybe 5 years or so into the blog you know people started asking me to you should make a pen you know make your perfect pen make that thing that you really really want and we'll all buy it you know because we trust your judgment and I was like well that's a little scary <laughs> and uh <laughs> but I never felt comfortable doing a pen because I thought there were a lot of good pens on the market and I couldn't add anything. But the one thing I did find lacking was a pen case. So I just kind of did some general digging around, you know, what pen cases do I like? What style do I like to carry? And I couldn't really find those things for me, like what fits Brad style perfectly. And those things weren't really out there. And then all of a sudden, I got a package in the mail one day, And it was a pen case made from nylon and had some pockets stitched in there. And a letter from a guy that said, hey, I read your blog. My friend makes cycling bags. And I told him he should make you a pen case because it sounds like the things that you like in a product are the things that he knows how to make. He does not know anything about pens, so I told him how to do it. But here, check this out. And I was like, oh, my. (laughs) Wow. We have, we might have a thing. I said, yeah, I need to talk to your friend. (laughs) (laughs) So the uh, knock was born from almost a, you know, random chance you know mail package in the mail and it just so happens i live outside of the atlanta georgia area uh in macon georgia about an hour and a half south of atlanta and this guy who makes the bags who's now my business partner jeff Brookwicky, lives in atlanta so we were close wow you know it wasn't like a cross-country relationship i was like well you know we started exchanging emails i said you know i like the style of product you're creating i know what to make you know how to make it so let's talk and see if we have a thing. So we met up together at a Starbucks, like halfway between us. You know, neither one of us knew each other from Adam hardly, you know, we had to send pictures of each other, you know, it was like a, it's like a Tinder date or something, you know, we had to get the pictures to make sure we're going to meet the right person in the Starbucks (laughs) because, you know, I got to go up to someone and say, Hey, do you make pen cases? (laughs) (laughs) Which is super weird. if
0: Nobody knows the context.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Not a normal icebreaker. Right. (laughs) So, yeah. So we sat there for a couple hours. I sketched and we talked and... You know, I gave him some examples of what I liked. And he said, okay, let me take this back home. I'll play around on my sewing machines, see what I can come up with. And a week later, we met back at the same Starbucks. He basically dumped out a duffel bag worth of samples on the table. And we said right then and there, we had a business. So knock that's how uh, Knock was born.
0: Wow, that's, that's amazing. I mean, it's very cool, the connections that you can make through your blog, right? And then... Uh, mm-hmm and then you have a a business that's seemingly doing very well you guys are you guys make a lot of fantastic products so
1: mm-hmm. yeah and it was just you know the whole idea behind knock was a different aesthetic for kind of a new fountain pen or pen user it's not a fountain pen product necessarily but when you say fountain pen you think of old and stodgy mm-hmm. and you know your grandparents desk or something like that and any leather goods to store them in well That that kind of market's pretty saturated in the pen Mm -hmm. business. All the leather goods. Well, I'm into backpacks and I like carrying things like that and with different storage options and different colors and, you know, nylon materials. So that was the whole idea. It was basically to make a nylon, like basically a mini backpack for pens. and. It was something that I wanted, so I hoped other people wanted it, and it turns out that they did. So it's been a good run. I guess we've been doing it about four years now, maybe close to five. So, yeah, it's been real good.
0: Nice, yeah, and I can certainly vouch for uh, that stuff. I've got a few of your cases, most recently the uh, 9-seed A6-sized case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for my Hobonichi Techno, which I also learned about from the Pen Addict. So, uh, and finally, I'm using the... uh, Kaveco AL Sport as well. So,
1: yeah. I like the uh, the clip on those pens. They make it look so cool. It's a cool pen to begin with. I rave about that pen, probably obsessively a little <laughs> much. I, I, you know, I've. It's definitely one of those one of each type of things for me, and yep. the clips make them look really cool. So yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And like, I love the size. And like posting the cap is a very important thing for me. So like I love my Twisbees, mm-hmm. but if you, you know, most of them you can't post the cap
1: on. So yeah, because they make them gigantic.
0: Right, right. So cool. Anyway, uh, so no, we're geeking out about pens here. Uh, that's yeah, all right. That's kind of what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So now you've got – so you started on Kickstarter. Is that right?
1: Right, right. So Jeff and I decided we wanted to start a business. We think there's a thing. We knew that this wasn't, okay, let's open a storefront and have a retail business type of business. This is, a, let's see if we can sell products to this community and how should we start this? And we basically decided on, okay, what do we need to get this started? You know, Jeff had two or three sewing machines already. We had the availability at his job back then to use a cutting table to cut fabric, but we needed a couple of additional machines to do different types of stitching and so there's a lot of there was some hardware investment that we needed to make, and then of course, material investment, and Kickstarter at the time seemed like the best way to get our idea out there it kind of helps validate it you know if it's if it bombs completely you know we've only lost our time right right? and it took off like it was a it was a shock to both of us i mean it definitely set us off into like the kickstarter panic of oh my gosh we've sold too much which is Mm -hmm. a nice problem to have but when you're just two guys and you're sewing everything in the bedroom of jeff's apartment blowing out the kickstarter wasn't (laughs) <laughs> Actually, on our radar, so we had—I think we had like a five thousand dollar, you know, goal to hit because, like, one of the machines we wanted to buy was like fifteen hundred dollars. Then we mm-hmm. needed some material, so we had a pretty low goal. We just wanted to get the stuff we need to make the cases, right? And then we ended, we ended up doing like seventy-eight thousand. Wow! And ended up having to make like around—it was around six thousand cases we had to make. Wow! So we were a little bit behind on that Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> But that definitely opened our eyes. So we we're like, okay, we thought we had a thing and this kind of confirms it, right? This was our test. I don't know if we passed or failed because it took a while to make all the cases, but everyone loved the product. They love seeing it. They love hearing about it. And then once they got it in hand, they love using it. So then we were able to move on from there.
0: Gotcha. And so if I recall correctly, you guys were pretty communicative in the whole process you know letting people know what was going on and i know that you and and mike on the show talk a lot about kickstarter projects so Mm -hmm. i want to ask you about research uh and and i'd Mm -hmm. like to kind of focus it on creating the kickstarter right because there's a lot of front-loaded time to make a good kickstarter project right
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: so what was the research process like there
1: so i was lucky that i had some friends who had run a big kick run big in our world Kickstarter campaign. Dan Bishop with Keras Customs was very vital in helping me understand what I needed to do, what I needed to put together for this first campaign. You know, a lot of that was just, I had already backed several other campaigns, so I learned from from them how to do it as well. But uh, Dan's help was very important to me and just kind of keeping me off the ledge, right? Like you can get very overwhelmed starting a first Kickstarter project, especially if you're, you know, kind of putting, taking a risk like we were, even though the downside was not, you know, not bad at all, but it's nerve wracking to put yourself out there and to say, give me your money and I'll give you something in about six months. Right. (laughs) Right. So that's a, that's a nerve wracking thought process. And you know building through that we definitely made some mistakes in how we in in retrospect and and how we did it mostly around the number of offerings we had at the time we had a lot we offered like mm-hmm. all the things where right. you know in the end we would have better better streamlining it, even if it took money off the bottom line you know to have a more streamlined process that was a huge learning experience but just having friends that have done that before, I was lucky in that aspect, I guess. And I was already part of the Kickstarter backer community, so I knew kind of how the projects ran. So that was that was the biggest thing, just being involved and then having some friends I could reach out to and ask questions. And now when I have friends that want to do the same thing, I always raise my hand when I hear someone saying, Hey, I'm about to start a Kickstarter does anyone have any tips or tricks? I was like, Hey, I'm glad to help. I want to pay that forward and, uh, you know, help other people out and, you know, avoid some of the pitfalls that we have and answer just some of the basic questions about getting it started. Cause it can be intimidating.
0: Nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially when you, you know, if you do have a big project that kind of blows up, cause the, the idea of I you know I feel like if I were to approach that I wouldn't think this is going to blow up I'd be pretty skeptical that I'm even going to meet my goal so yeah the idea of, of scaling is not necessarily something I have in my mind it's just kind of getting it done but I mean you know clearly you've you've weathered that storm a little bit so
1: yeah and we've gone out and we've done some other Kickstarter projects since then when we've launched a larger product, like instead of like a smaller pin case, we launched a, a small sl- slimline briefcase product. Well, that's a larger in scale type of manufacturing, a larger physical good, but I was totally comfortable launching that project because I knew it was going to be refined before I even pressed any buttons. I knew the, you know, pledge levels were going to be locked down and comfort. I was going to be comfortable with it no matter if they went crazy. Or not, and mm-hmm. so yeah, that that experience. I mean, you only get it through having those experiences, and I guess I've done, I don't know, five or six now total. Not all have been at the scale of the first one. The first one was a big one, mm-hmm. but it, it gets easier every time. And I'm actually a pretty big fan of Kickstarter and what they do for people like myself. You know, it. I mean, it helped us start a business flat out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so now, do you? You don't do a Kickstarter every time you're going to launch a product, though, right?
1: No, no, so product wise we'll launch most of it just ourselves on the site if we do a large physical product like so the Lanier briefcase mm-hmm. it was a you know maybe five or six times in a physical size, right. different from one of our small pen cases that holds three pins. This holds like a thirteen inch laptop and an iPad pro, and just the cost to get that project underway was a lot more than a normal pin case so most of our projects we just prefer to launch them directly on the site but like if i mean we've always had a goal to do a backpack we don't have we're not even close to doing that but when that comes to be that'll be a, a kick an example of what where we'd go to kickstarter first but i have three new designs you know, in the factory right now that won't be launched on Kickstarter because they're smaller. Mm -hmm. I can afford to pay for them up front type of thing instead of needing a huge, huge nest egg up front. And uh, that's where Kickstarter helps very much with that cash flow.
0: Hey, everybody, I want to take a moment here to tell you about Event Espresso. If you need an excellent event management system for your WordPress site, look no further than Event Espresso. The -the out-of-the-box event registration and ticketing plugin for WordPress is now powering over 40,000 event websites, $100 million in ticket sales per year. If you need a stable, well-built, and highly supported event ticketing platform for your WordPress website, look no further than Event Espresso. They're a great supporter of the show. They make an incredible product. You can check them out over at buildpodcast.net slash events. That's buildpodcast.net slash events. Now, back to the show. Nice. And so, so now I'd love to get into this. This, this show has primarily had uh, tech people on it, specifically people mm-hmm. in the WordPress world. That's kind of where I mm-hmm. am deeply embedded. So you have, I, I want to talk about the physical products, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Uh, you have your online shop. What is running yep. your online shop?
1: Uh, Squarespace. Squarespace So Squarespace stores I My blog has been on Squarespace for I tried to figure it out the other day And I stopped I, <laughs> I stopped in the middle of it It's got to be Since Squarespace 4 Okay I've been a Squarespace customer So that's what Probably five or six years I'm mm-hmm. guessing Yeah So sorry about the WordPress thing. (laughs) No
0: no worries. I suspect no offense to the WordPress people, but I suspect it would have taken you a lot longer to get your shop set up on WooCommerce than it would have on Squarespace.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, that was, you know, four years ago too, so things have changed. Yeah, absolutely. During that time. But, you know, it was it was just a simple, straightforward shop system it allows us to manage the shipping integrate all the shipping things integrate all the taxes you know when like one of the things you don't think about when you're starting a business with physical goods well if i ship it within my state i gotta charge taxes well now i have to build in all these tax rules and my platforms and those aren't things i was prepared for i right. want to make pin. i want to make pin cases not set up <laughs> i'm not set up seven percent taxes for cobb county you know seven percent right. <laughs> wow yeah yeah I thought so,
0: New York's expensive at eight. I didn't think anybody was close to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, I have an IT background and those types of things are simple. You know, when, you, when you've played around with computers enough like I have. I mean, I was a Unix engineer for almost 15 years and,
0: wow. you know,
1: computers are my, my, were my first love, my first job, if you will. So I, I've kind of nice. uh, gone comp- uh, did a, done a 180 since then.
0: Yeah, man, I, d- I don't think I knew that. So that's very, very cool. Yep. So, nice. Uh so now let's actually get to building the product, right? What is mm-hmm. the process mm-hmm. for creating a let's say you're making you're working on a new case, what what's the process from start to finish?
1: Yeah, so we've actually done this recently and and the process for our, Jeff and myself is kind of the same. One of us will have an idea. Generally, I'll have the idea first because I'm you know dealing with the stationery a lot more than he is, you know. he's still into the manufacturing world and, like, actually the cycling world. He he welds bike frames and things like wow. that. So I'm knee-deep in the analog stuff, and it's like, hey, this tool would be good to do this thing. So we'd sit down and we'd sketch it out. You know, we'd do drawings. We'd get out. You know, we have rolls of fabric and sewing machines in our workshop, so we'll start with drawing and sketches and brainstorming, and I'll say, this is what I want in a product, in a finished product, technically, how would you do this? Mm-hmm. And he'd show me, he'd sketch it out, you know, we'd work on some measurements. We'd say it needs to fit this length of pen or this size notebook. You know, how much depth does it need to be have? You know, we have to def we don't we do all of this on paper and just talking and sitting together. And then we'll go right from paper to cutting fabric you know we'll lay out rolls of fabric get out chalk there's no like 3d modeling there's no CAD there's mm-hmm. no digital modeling of any of our products um, we'll get out a ruler and you know like Taylor's chalk nice. sit on the floor and and cut out a pattern like with scissors on the floor um, wow. it's a very old school way but this is a physical good you know we're not selling a digital good so we're taking this physical fabric and then We'll have, he knows how to determine, you know, how many panels we need for a single case. You Mm -hmm. know, it's sewn in panels. You like, you have a front, a back, an inside, all these little parts that you all have to put this puzzle together to end up with a single case. So we'll cut out all the panels. Like, one case could have eight panels, one case could have 20 panels. It just depends on the pockets and the zippers and all these things. And he knows how to do that. Take them over to the sewing machine. He'll knock it out. We'll look at it. We'll look at the finished sample. You know, like that process could take us one to two hours. Like it's reasonably quick. Yeah, I'd say that's reasonably quick. Like I can come up with an idea and have a sample the same day. And then I take it home and I just start using it. So our product, like not the product cycle, but like the kind of creation of a product, regardless of whether it ever goes on sale or not comes out pretty quick. And then I start using it for quite some time. It just depends. I'll know real quick, this is working as I imagine it would, or it's not, let's change this. And now we have a pattern already. We have the dimensions. Here's the one we need to change. And then we'll iterate on a second pattern and make that second case. And then I'll start carrying, like, I'll start testing everything out. If that goes well, we'll make a handful of samples, five or 10, send them to people who we trust in our, that have been our customers for years. We started a feedback group of our customers nice. that we can send and that we know just won't blow smoke at us. Right? right. They'll tell us real feedback. It's taken a while to get these type of people together. We send them out to them, you know, and have them rip them apart, you know, have them use them, not do things that we wouldn't consider doing them. And so we have this whole prototyping phase and then once that gets down to it, we finalize the, uh, the product, and then it goes uh, to the factory. We use a factory in the U.S. to help make all our products now. In the beginning, we, we made everything mm-hmm. by hand. Jeff made every single case. Fortunately, we grew enough to where we had to make a decision do we want to be our own factory and you know have all this equipment and all this overhead and all these people to hire? Right. Or do we want to find a contractor that can help with that? We went the second route, and that's a long story we can get into, too, which I'm, I'm glad to share. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of how the product cycle happens. We can make our ideas come to life really quickly, but then it takes a while for them to actually get to a physical product that we sell.
0: Gotcha. Uh, so I would –
1: mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say that could be like six months to a year.
0: Right, gotcha. So I would love to hear that factory story. Let's save it for the end. It could be like a bonus kind of part of the episode. Yeah, because I that I mean you know that's as somebody who is pretty deeply embedded in the digital space. I the 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 best thing I make with my hands is Lego, and I don't even do that particularly well. This is very interesting to me. It's a whole other thing. Trust me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, for sure. So it's the the thing that you mentioned about real feedback. I mean that's that's super important, right? It's very hard. I'll send like a thing I designed to my friends and family and they'll be like, "Yeah, it looks good." But I have a mastermind group, a few friends in the same space who I know will give me honest feedback because my business is riding on it. So,
1: yeah. That core is very important. Like it doesn't have to be big. 2 or 3 people that you that you know will tell you Joe, you've really screwed it up here, and this needs to be fixed, or you need to consider that, as our feedback group will uh, attest to. We don't always listen to them, <laughs> but we, underst- we do know that most of the, I mean, 99.9% of the time, it's like, that's the feedback you need. That's the feedback that's important. And when you have a physical good that you cannot up and change tomorrow with a line of code, right? it's, it's extremely important.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So you've you've got the you've grown to contract out a factory. Uh do yep. they also do the shipping for well no, they actually don't. I know they don't. So do you guys do the shipping yourself or do you have like drop shipping or anything like that?
1: So we do all the physical shipping and the reason why we do that is we're very particular about the quality of our products. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to let these products go out of your hands. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Like I have a I have a roadblock with that to having to never seeing the product before they hit our customers' hands. I want to verify every single product that I ship before I ship it. Wow. It's more work for us, but that's work I'm glad to do because it makes the customers happier way more often than they're having to have a package arrive, the tags missing or the tags on backwards. Right. Like, things just happen in manufacturing. Sure. You know, two pockets are are flipped and and from the way they're supposed to be. And it very rarely happens, but I don't even want it to happen once. Right. Right. Like, so Jeff and I will take the time to have all the products shipped back to us once complete. And then we ship every single product after inspecting it again and then sending it out. So that's, that's a, that's a very important thing for us. I don't, I'll never say never to fulfillment, but I, I'm very uncomfortable not seeing the final product before it hits our customers' hands,
0: yeah, and I mean that that makes a lot of sense. You've built your name i th- I feel on you know on quality when i when I bought the the nine seed case mm-hmm. is it nine seed am I saying that right
1: it's the A six
0: A six right the A six yeah. case you know i I had a price in mind, it was more, but mm-hmm. I was willing to pay that because I knew that it was quality like i knew, I know I'm going to get something that I'm going to have forever, so.
1: Or yeah, yeah. The, I mean,
0: the better part of forever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's important. I mean, that's it's mandatory for us. Yeah. And uh, you know, we'll get into that that more, how much of a challenge that is. But it's I mean, quality is number one for us because it's a smaller item, so any kind of flaws or defects like really stand out. You can hide things in a large backpack, right? If right. something's if this one stitch is crooked, you'll never see it. If this stitch is crooked in something we make. Because a lot of it ends up on Instagram, you can see it real quick i've seen <laughs> I've emailed people, I said, "Hey, there's something wrong with your case. Let me send you another one from a picture I've seen." like wow. they would never even notice, but that it's it's just one of those things that really bugs me and it's really important to me is the uh, the quality of our finished product
0: yep well I, that's uh that instills a lot of trust in customers. I can certainly vouch yeah. for that. yep, so you will do a prototype. how many if you don't mind answering this, how many of those prototypes mm-hmm. like never see the light of day?
1: probably half of them or more yeah i have a whole stash full of stuff that doesn't make it we're at a point now where if we can introduce like three or four new things in a year like a new shape that would be that's an enormous number Mm. if it's if it's like two it's probably pretty good because we don't we want to make it worth something we don't want it to be a slightly different version of something we already have you know we want to make it useful on its own so that's not always easy when you're coming up with products and we don't sit down to say okay today's new product day and hey and we're going to write this song today right? right the song just has to come to us naturally and say there's a use case for this is it can we do it differently than anything else we've ever made And is it worth our time and money to do this? So, you know, in a lot of those things, you know, we have a lot of unfinished songs, (laughs) if you will, that are stacked up in my closet. And I go back and look through them from time to time. I'm like, these are really cool, but I wouldn't want to sell this because I'd sell very few of them. And we do something already that's close enough and better. So, yeah.
0: Gotcha. So so when you do come up with a, a new product, do you... Do you do any like market research evaluate do you have like a good idea of the reception it'll get when you launch
1: kind of sorta like that's a that's a tough question we do what feels right to us mm-hmm. and included in that feel right is what my perception of its reception in the marketplace is so i am lucky enough to be able to live my entire life in the stationary world for a job. So I'm on top of these things all the time. I don't necessarily go out and solicit, you know, feedback from, you know, retailers or the general public on an idea that we're creating. Do you think this would work in the marketplace? Unless it's something really out there and really strange. I trust my judgment enough I think for the most part and have enough experience to kind of know what's going to work. But then at the same time, one of the core things that I think makes Jeff and I a little bit different from a lot of businesses is we do it because we want to use it. So even if the market doesn't necessarily receive it, if we're pretty happy with it, we're gonna run with it because we nice. think it's cool. We're in a position to be able to do that. It's just us two, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I I don't want that to sound stubborn or like egotistical or anything like that. But like, we if we weren't having fun doing this, we wouldn't do it. So I want to make things that I want to use, and hopefully, other people like them. So that's a lot of our philosophy.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I I love that. I mean, a lot of the people on my show have said that they created this because they were scratching their own itch. Yeah, and it just totally. so happened that other people also wanted it. So,
1: yeah, I mean, that's when it comes about naturally like that, you know, you, you're kind of on the right track.
0: Nice. Uh, that's awesome. So uh, I've got, you know, just the, the last couple of questions before we kind of close out the main show and then get to the bonus. So we talked about transformations as far as like uh, the factory goes. Have there been other major transformations since you started NotCo?
1: that's kind of been our biggest challenge. Our our growth has been the big, biggest challenge and the roadblocks to that growth and we're still going through that right now. You know, it's it's been nothing but positive since we launched the company and then trying to figure out year over year over year to do a better job and make more cases and sell more products is endlessly challenging. And I have no answers for that, you know, or I or I have one answer and two more questions, you Mm -hmm. know, that you can never completely catch up. But one of our biggest challenges was getting into retail. It's like it's something I really wanted to do Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of niche stores that sell pens and paper goods. And I thought our case was cool. And all of our customers love it and i wanted to have more exposure in different outlets so getting to the point where we could meet our customers our direct customers needs that buy directly through us and be able to send hundreds or thousands of units out into the wild at the same time man i'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> that's uh and i've got we've gotten better at that you know we've hit We've we've worked on that, but uh, that transformation is still ongoing. It started about a year ago. We finally got into retail. Actually, about this time last year, we were our first retail orders. Nice. It's been almost a full year, and we're still working on that. Still trying to figure that out.
0: Wow, man, that's wild. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's probably a whole other conversation <laughs> that can be had too. Yep. Yep. Man, and so with that, what are your plans for the future? And you know. If- Without giving away anything, of course, you know sure. what's,
1: what are your plans? We wake up every day and we just want to make cool stuff and if that involves one thing next year or ten things next year, we're gonna do it. We have I just sent off three products for prototyping, like the final prototyping after we've designed. so I just we like being creative. We like doing things people don't expect. you know we make colors of our cases that people think are the dumbest thing you've ever seen, but they're awesome and people love them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, you know, we put, we put pink and light blue and green together and make a case of out of it. And, you know, the old people who are used to their black pens and leather cases want to know what these fools are doing but <laughs> man it's fun so we're going to keep expanding our case line we like i said earlier we eventually want to make a backpack i don't know if it'll even be next year that's a long term goal we want to expand our paper goods we're really we make really really good notebooks that i don't think get enough uh out there in the world, so i 'm going to work on that nice. getting those getting those marketed better because they 're really really nice, really good paper. Our index cards it blows people 's minds that when I tell them what 's our best selling product it 's three by five index cards because you can 't find good ones. we charge a lot for them they 're expensive to make, you know mm-hmm. compared to you know something you buy at office max right but it 's what stationary nerds want that's so we 're expanding our our uh, note card lineup, uh, as we speak, so that's a fun, always a fun project to work on. So I love our paper goods; those will keep growing too. So, yeah, just we're we're working on all the things slowly but surely.
0: Man, that's that's awesome, and I, I have a fun story about the. Um, you've probably heard this from other people, but I was at a uh, WordCamp—that's a WordPress weekend conference. Mm-hmm. I ran out of business cards, but I had your three by five index cards on me and i just wrote yep. personalized messages and then my own business card on them and i started handing them out
1: so <laughs> nice that's yeah. awesome we do get stories like that and as a matter of fact because of that we actually make uh, business card size note cards now that can go in the same they fit a standard business card size holder that way you have your cards and some blank ones if you need them
0: very nice i dig that that <laughs> that might uh the I'm, I'm on your site right now
1: are those th- th- the petite petite yeah nice so they're they're you their traditional u.s business card size dimension
0: that's fantastic i'm definitely gonna have to pick some yeah. of those up so before i ask you if you have any trade secrets for us that's always how i mm-hmm. close out the show i have a couple of like uh quick fire questions Ho- right. hopefully they're quick fire can we expect any cases that are going to be like that pen addict orange i didn't see any on your site i was just double checking so maybe i missed it
1: so what what was the question again do we want to see any orange are we going to see any orange
0: uh, any of that pen addict orange yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> we get that all the time and you are going to see it sooner than you think
0: awesome very cool that's uh my that i think that's my favorite color
1: yeah So i'm very too.
0: excited nice what is your current favorite backpack
1: oh gosh that's an awesome question and this is going to be a totally unfair answer but it's the truth It's a backpack that's discontinued and no longer (laughs) made. Uh, There was a company out of Australia called Bogeer. They make killer backpacks it 's the one I carry the one the model is called the bull pup. They just stopped manufacturing last year they're rebranding themselves, going to do a different thing so that's the one I carry all the time and then my second probably most carried bag is a tom Ben aeronaut uh, forty eight which is closer to a duffel it's essentially a carry on bag, but it does have backpack straps it's not a day pack it's a travel bag gotcha and i travel I travel enough with knock. now. We go on the road to pen shows that's my Primary bag. Those two bags are are basically my road warrior bags.
0: Very nice. I will be sure to link. Well, I'll link both in the show notes, but you can definitely pick up one of them still uh, <laughs> at the time of this recording, at least. So yes, yes, awesome. So now, do you have any trade secrets for us?
1: You know, I I I saw this question and I thought about it, and there's no like super neat little secret. You know, we do things like hidden secrets that people find like on the back of our tag is is knock and katakana you know we like to hide things like that people will have their case for like a year or two and say hey i just flipped this tag over what's this thing on there so it's neat to have little easter eggs like that for your uh, customers yeah (laughs) but (laughs) yeah by the way (laughs) but what i really the trade secret for me is being honest with myself and being true to my beliefs you know, regardless of what's popular or what the common theory is out there. If you don't feel that's the right thing to do, then don't do it. You don't have to be like anyone else. Just be yourself. And that comes out in the finished product. Like people realize that when people say, oh, wow, this is pro- this product is really good, or this product is polished, or wow, I haven't seen the construction detail like this that's not because someone's technically adept it's because they really care mm-hmm. about putting that thing together and that's what that, i mean that's the biggest the biggest tip i can give on building any kind of business no matter if it's hardware software physical goods anything uh, you have to 100 percent believe in what you're doing and then you do it regardless of what other people say
0: awesome i love that definitely words to live by it's uh you know, follow, follow who you are, believe in what you're doing. I, I absolutely yep. love that. So yep. uh, cool. Well, I'm going to close out this part of the show. Uh, there will be a bonus available with the next part of our conversation somewhere, uh, whether it be just like sign up for an email list or whatever. But Brad, thank you so much for your time today. I
1: really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was fun.
0: What a fantastic episode. Thanks again so much to Brad for joining me uh, for this excellent conversation. If you enjoyed the conversation, you're in luck. In the bonus episode, Brad and I talk about what it's like choosing a factory here in the United States. You can listen to that over on the show's Patreon page. It's available to anybody who pledges $5 or more. That's over at patreon.com slash how I built it. Thanks again to our sponsors. Make sure to check out Liquid Web for managed WordPress hosting. I use them on all of my important websites, including this one. They are that good. And they recently rolled out managed WooCommerce hosting too. They are at buildpodcast.net slash liquid. If you want to save your clients or yourself money through recovering abandoned shopping carts on your e-commerce website, check out Jilt. They are over at buildpodcast.net slash jilt. And finally, if you need amazing event management for WordPress, check out Event Espresso over at buildpodcast.net slash events. For all of the show notes, head over to howibuilt.it slash 63. That's howibuilt.it slash 63. If you like the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It helps people discover us. And until next time, get out there and build something.